Hi, this is Jeff. And this is Mariana. And we're professional storytellers who love books. Welcome to Fiction Friends. Where we take a deep dive into the most popular fiction titles in all of literature. From classic reads and old-time favorites. To modern romance and contemporary thrillers. Join us as we discover new ways to read, look at, and talk about books. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date with every new release. Hi everyone! Today we're doing something very light. The first romantic comedy in this podcast yet. Is it? Sex Is and it Vanity by Kevin Kwan. Yeah, I the guess, other one was yeah. not rom-com. Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's a, yeah, it was a different kind of romance. And yes, yes, so we're doing Sex and Vanity by Kevin Kwan. Um, I'm excited. Well, I think one of the main reasons why Mariana and I decided to do a light book for this week was because the last podcast we record, the last episode we recorded was for A Little Life. heavy. With Hanya Yanagihara. That episode, like... Um, I haven't done the final edits yet, but it reached around two hours, the entire conversation. So oh my we're, we're looking for something that's a little lighter for this episode. We might be done in yes. like 30 minutes. So it's it's probably going to be a short episode. Probably. Yeah. So yeah, it's Sex and Vanity by Kevin Kwan. Um, why did we choose this book, Mariana? So why did we pick this novel? I feel like we, because we never had a romantic comedy genre in our podcast yet. Hmm. And... And Kevin Kwan is a pretty popular author also, so we wanted yeah. to do a segment on his book. But since um, Crazy Rich Asians... I don't know why we didn't even pick Crazy Rich Asians. I mean, okay, so for starters, it was a way better trilogy than Sex and Vanity. <laughs> um, I haven't read Crazy Rich Asians. Um, have you? Yeah, I have the whole trilogy. Yeah, the whole thing. I liked the movie a lot. Like legit okay. love the movie like it's one of my yeah. most rewatchable movies like i'll movies? every time like I'll, I'll catch it i'll just watch it just because it's you know it's already on like yeah. it's one of those movies for me i've never read the book although i want to and so that's why because i love crazy rich asians the movie so much i had so really high hopes for sex and vanity hopes for sex and vanity same was same. it the same for you yeah so how, what was your experience like reading uh crazy rich asians and how did that translate to your um, sex and vanity experience well with with crazy rich asians i think it, this is part of the pod yeah it had a better better story all in all yeah and you know the premise in sex and vanity is just pretty simple and like basta i have a whole right so okay so with that maybe we can just get into like a short summary. Let's tell the readers what yeah. Sex and Vanity is about. Do you so want to handle it? Or? Do you want to? <laughs> okay, so yeah, no, so I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, Sex and Vanity. It follows a girl named Lucy. Um, she's half Asian, half American descent. So it's it's within the branding of the Kevin Kwan storytelling of like yes. an Asian influence for the protagonist. And um, she's like born of a certain nobility she's born into high society essentially because of her dad is like one of the like old school new york old rich people I, um I, we don't really get much information on how they became rich we just know that they're rich and yes 
it it starts off with Lucy vacationing in um, Capri in Italy with her yes. cousin Charlotte. Um, she's there yeah. as a guest for a wedding for a friend of hers. And Charlotte is like this older cousin who functions as her chaperone. Guardian. Yeah, guardian. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And while on the island, she meets another boy named George, who is George, uh, yes. Also half Asian, right? He's also half Asian. He's yeah, also rich. He's also like born into high society. And um, yeah. something happens between the two of them on the island. We won't spoil it for you. And so essentially, Lucy spends the rest of the book trying to escape the incident that took place on that yes. island. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's the that's as spoiler free as I can make the summary. And with that, Mariana, do you want to open up with your initial thoughts about the book without getting into spoilers? So this is a perfect novel to bring on vacation, but even at the comforts of your own home, even in quarantine, this book takes you on a journey to Capri. And it's indulgent, it makes you feel rich, that you're a yes. part of this whole story. And this is what I really like about Kevin Kwan's books how he explains in full detail about the place without being a complete bore. And the book makes you giddy. So this book is a tamer version of Crazy Rich Asians with lesser characters and a less chaotic premise. But it was still hilarious. So you meet a lot of characters, pretentious academic elitists, funny rich people, unenlightened yogi. So it's a whole trip. But despite the differences and the number of characters introduced in this novel... Quan still managed to flesh out each of them impeccably. But regardless of the number, you still won't get confused because of how well they've been introduced and how Mm. well the novel's been written. So I appreciate the complexity of each character, the range, and how the author also created a character who's who's a very rich Instagrammer who only cared about how he was being perceived and how he created numerous scenes surrounding it even to the extent of teaching his girlfriend how to pose. On the car. So, yes. Most, if not all, characters here are irrational. The Mm. lead being awfully immature, resulting to jarring decisions. Yeah. So, you will get an awful lot of secondhand embarrassment. So, admittedly, there were times I also zoned out during brand commentaries. Like, I think that was the problem. Like, I had to reread it whenever um there was a long discussion when it came to brands because i would just zone out at times oh and interesting okay the book also tackled on topics surrounding identity as the lead is half white half asian as mentioned so her struggles with race and identity was also being talked about in kwan's piece so I specifically for this genre of the story right? yeah it's that really is. about identity yeah for this genre romantic comedy kevin kwan would have to be an author that tops my list but actually, I don't have any list. <laughs> but ever since Crazy Rich Asians, ever since that trilogy, I haven't looked into reading any other rom-com again because it's yeah. not really a favorite genre. Like, it doesn't even cross me. We might not be good reviewers for this book then because neither for, of yes. us do ro- rom-coms. But We're not we'll, we'll try our best. We'll yeah. try our best. <laughs> so his books are my guilty pleasure. And the ratings on Goodreads was relatively low for this book. It only got a 3.3 and I would have mm. given it a 3.5 regardless of parking it for a whole month. So as much yeah. as I do not want to compare it with his other novels, but if you're a fan of a more captivating heroine, read the Crazy Rich Asians trilogy. But yeah. if you're looking for something light, a typical summer or beach read, then pick this up. But I feel like the better book of 
of Kevin Kwan would have to be the trilogy and not this. Okay. Like, yeah. uh, this is even low-key um, disappointing. But mediocre. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, not yeah. disappointing, but like, yeah, mediocre would have to be the appropriate it's, term for it. It's really hard to be critical with this book because... Um, it's like Thursday Murder Club, it, remember? It feels like, at first, you get the sense like it's a book that doesn't try to take itself so seriously. Like... It's yeah, it's supposed to be like a fun. You're not supposed to take this seriously. So it would, to critique a book like this would be like critiquing an episode of SpongeBob or you know it, it it's not supposed to be critiqued, right? It's 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 supposed to be taken SpongeBob. at at I don't know like you know some you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like yeah, it, it, that's that's essentially I can, how I feel about it. It started off really for me. Yeah, it started off really great. When it was all about the fun and the glamour and like the vacations, yes. like I, I I laughed when you mentioned that you found it boring when he was talking about the couture and the brands because those are the parts that I because love the that most. You really those like? are the parts that I really like because I I have to admit, uh, I also like to indulge occasionally in luxurious lifestyles and activities Items. and and yeah, I want to say that I am like that level of rich i'm not i'm far from it i'm really far from it but i i i it's not i don't also aspire to become like that but it's more of like i understand the appeal of that lifestyle like yeah i yeah, I, I get it for sure yeah and and that's why i was really drawn to that and that's also partly why i was really drawn to crazy rich asians because you know the yes. references to all the like the the designer yeah. items and like the rolex paul newman daytonas that that is really hard to find those are the stuff that i really get into and yeah. i was expecting a lot of that in sex and vanity which we got also but but since Crazy Rich Asians was such a good story to go along with all of the fluff like i was yeah. expecting a good story to go along with the fluff in this book and unfortunately I didn't get that story that I was looking for I feel like Kevin Kwan really shines as a writer when he's talking about luxury brands or the luxury lifestyle yes. because you can tell that that's what he's really passionate about also like all of the yeah. highbrow like the the art lifestyle and like the the yacht clubs and the and the elite schools the ivy leagues and all of that you know these this is the stuff that kevin kwan really gets into and you can tell it by the way that he writes because he makes it so fun and so enjoyable i haven't read crazy rich asians but i'm sure the writing style is part of what made that book so popular as well and it sort of yes, carried over sure. into this book it's a lot of fun reading about the lifestyles of the outrageously ostentatious however i have to say that it's when the book takes on a more serious tone towards the end wherein yeah. i feel like it fails like when it starts delving into matters of identity and you know all yeah. the racial like it's such a heavy theme that comes out like seemingly out of nowhere there's like i felt like there was no proper build-up for bringing up these kinds of issues it's so hard to empathize with the people who are so rich <laughs> and i feel like that this book I, I agree set this up this set itself up for failure and that part you know you're you're supposed to feel sorry for this really the uh, identity this, this, this protagonist who is torn between yeah. her whiteness and her asianness and her identity and all of that but at the end of the day, this girl is like a multimillionaire living in the high life. So it's like, really, you were you expect me to empathize with your struggles? Like, um, I would have been okay. But if I think this it was also because yeah, go ahead. She was immature. 
Yeah. Like, she makes irrational decisions. She's yeah. so immature. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I felt like this book, if it would have been just like a description of various parties and all of that stuff, and like even the romantic aspect of it, like I would have been fine with that. Like, sure, I'm all for it. But when when you start delving into deeper issues like identity and you do so rather shallowly, like it, he, he tried to get deep with it, but he failed. And I feel like that's when the book started to be like, ah, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Why are we getting all serious of a sudden, all of a sudden? Like, I didn't want to read this part of the book. You're not good at it. <laughs> Which is weird because Crazy Rich Asians, there was a lot of depth to that story. Like... Um, yeah. Uh, w- yeah. Struggling definitely. to fit in, and you know, I, I feel I feel like he tried to carry that formula over into this book, and it didn't work out as well because the yeah. That's why I felt yeah. like it was just such a it, the 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 identity was more of a sub story than it, yeah. it was the entire theme of it. I felt like it was a lot of lazy writing that resulted in poor plot and character development, like. I I know we talked about earlier. We mentioned how we reviewed uh, Yanagihara's uh, A Little Life, and that was an excruciatingly long book. However, you can't say that that book lacked in terms of depth because it really did have all of the depth because the writer took yeah. the time to build up that depth from scratch. And <laughs> that's why it was eight hundred. That's pages. why it was so long. And with Sex and Vanity, it's like what three hundred plus pages of fluff, and then you get like this sudden uh you're thrust into a situation wherein you're forced to confront really serious issues towards the end and you're just like huh where why where did this come out i felt like it was really weird um the the characters for me they were entertaining but they weren't uh they were very one-dimensional for me You, you you like there's this Instagram guy who's obsessed with image and social media. Like, there's yeah. no depth to his character at all, other than that. And then there's this grandma who's obsessed with status and like who's slightly racist and whatever. And you know, there's no depth to her character also. And then there's this like really annoying cousin who's like who serves as like supposedly a guardian figure, but she's also equally irresponsible. Like, I I, I don't get it. There, these characters are such. They feel like such caricatures. Um, it wasn't a compelling read. It failed to engage or immerse me in the story. It's not my cup of tea. Of course, I understand that Kevin Kwan has a very popular fan base. He's a very popular writer. And so there might be some people who will be interested in reading something like this. However, based on the Goodreads reviews, I yeah. think not, it's, not, it's not a very good book even among his fans. Um, for me personally, I'm giving this book a two <laughs> out of five. Oh my God, that's lower than it's, it ends with us. Yeah, I'd have to say it's lower than it ends with us. Um, at least it ends with us managed to actually succeed in putting some depth to the story. So that's why I'm giving it <laughs> giving it the edge. But I don't know, this might be the, low, the worst book I've read for the podcast since we started. Really? Yeah. Um, do, do yourself a favor... Um, if you're a Kevin Kwan, if you're a Kevin Kwan fan and you're interested in reading this book, just skip it. <laughs> I read this you book think? so you don't have to. <laughs> like, I genuinely feel like I'm doing you all a favor by reading and reviewing this book for you, so that you won't have to go through the struggle of reading it yourself. I feel like it's that bad of a book. However, if you really want to learn, I mean, like, if you really want to get your fix of like 
the lifestyles of the ostentatious and like the fancy vacations and the weddings and all of that. Okay, fine. Maybe you can read this book. You'll you'll get your fix. But if you're looking for an interesting story, you won't find that here. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel bad because when it came out, I was so excited because I was like fresh from reading the trilogy. So when I saw this, I didn't even wait for the mass market. I bought the paperback, the... You but did. the paperback that's biggest, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of expensive yeah. than the mass market. And then mm-hmm. I kind of wish I waited for the mass market when it came to Sex and Vanity by Kevin Kwan because it didn't give me um, the same feeling that the trilogy yeah. did, you know? Yeah. I, I, I was also so. greatly disappointed. Like, I'm a huge Crazy Rich Asians fan. I promise I'll get to the book soon. Like, yeah. I'm so excited for the sequel and the movie. And I don't know, I was really disappointed with this. I hope it doesn't get turned into a movie. If they do, I hope they do change some of the stuff that happens. Uh, maybe we can get into the context surrounding the book now since we, we're practically yeah. done with the initial review. So um, for the context surrounding this book, it's actually inspired by another book by E.M. Forrester. It's called A Room with a View, which also has a mm, movie. Okay. Yeah. It, it, there's a movie version that came out in 1987. And you would be surprised. Have you heard of the movie? It's actually, no, but I knew it was loosely based on yeah, that so also. It's, like it's the, actually it's, surprising yeah. because the characters, same name. So it's Lucy, George, oh, really? um, Cecil, or C- Cecile. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Cecil or Cecile. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just give you a brief rundown of the cast because it's kind of loaded. Um, Lucy yeah. is played by a young Helena Bonham Carter. Charlotte, the cousin, is played by Maggie Smith. Um, Professor McGonagall from Harry Potter and she's also in Helena Bonham Carter as Lucy she was in Fight Club she was in um, Harry Potter also as, and we get Daniel Day-Lewis as C- Cecil Cecil or whatever and Judy Dench was also in the cast but she didn't play a big role so it's, it's I don't know it's really interesting because apparently this movie was Oscar nominated so I'm interested in watching it oh my yeah so I'm interested in seeing it um, it was also Elena Bonham Carter's breakout role, apparently. So um, I'm curious to see how what how different the story is in this movie and whether it's going to be better than the book. Hopefully, it's better than this book. And um, yeah, so that's it. For That's all the context I could find around the book. I don't think there are any talks of it being turned into like a movie or... Uh, or a series. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't see it succeeding as that. And yeah, with that, I think we can conclude the spoiler-free uh, portion of this podcast. And we'll be right back. And that concludes the spoiler-free portion of the episode. If you do plan on reading the book, please feel free to come back and join us in the conversation in the second part of this episode. We'll be right back. And we are back. So for this part, for this segment of the podcast, we will be discussing our favorite lines and quotes and moments. And then we're going to give our final thoughts, which I do not have for this episode. Okay, it's so funny you mentioned that because... I don't know. It just goes you to show how mediocre this book is. It. I don't have any favorite quotes. Like zero. The first time, like oh I don't have God. any. I don't have any quotes that I want to quote. I mean, there are some like funny things that happen in the book. There, there, which I classify as moments. 
there aren't any quotes that I really want to talk quotes. about. So um, I'm going to leave it yeah. to you for this segment. And then I'll come back after when we get into the moments. But I'll, I'll, I'll try to chime in on whatever you, you bring up. Because for this one also, I don't have any lines. So yeah. I would have to mix it up with the moment. Okay, so let's just, let's just, lines, let's just straight jump into the moment slash lines. The moments All right. All right. Um, before we so, start, I want to ask you, how do you feel about books that have footnotes? Because this had a lot of footnotes. Um. Well, for the footnotes here, I still read them, but yeah, I was more um skimming through it than yeah. like same reading it because I w- yeah. To be honest, like there were some what footnotes that legit made me laugh, like in this book. Like, uh, yeah, some, yeah, some footnotes yeah. were like really um witty, but yes. most of them, I like you, I I either just skimmed or just skipped entirely because I felt like. I, they weren't necessary. It was not essential, yeah. I'm, I'm gen- generally okay with footnotes in books as long as it's not overdone and as long as it's integral to us understanding the story or gaining a better appreciation of the story. But I feel like in this instance, it was kind of overdone and it was kind of unnecessary. Um, so that's just a little uh, something that readers might want to know. Yeah. But in Crazy Rich Asians, huh, there were more footnotes. Were there? Okay, way, so, way more than Sex and Vanity. Interesting. Um, like I'm, every page, there was like I, I'm every guessing page he's halos. a footnote kind of guy, Kevin Kwan. So I'm I'm even more interested to read Kevin uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Like you know how footnotes like sometimes you put an asterisk yeah, and yeah. then a cross and yeah. then something. Yeah. Like in Crazy Rich Asians, there are a lot of symbols. Yeah, to reach like four or five. Yeah. Yeah. So like half the page is practically a footnote. <laughs> footnote, not even yeah. half, but like almost. Yeah. 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 Maybe we can take this like segment by segment of the story. So let's start with like that whole opening sequence when they're in Capri and the wedding and the wedding scenario, Isabel's wedding. I love that entire segment. Like. The whole storyline of them being in Capri and being on that island. Yeah. I feel like he could have made an entire story of that entire wedding and I would have been happy. And just that, yeah. Yeah, like I would, that would have been really fun for me to read. What, how did you feel about that? Like I, I loved all the, the details he puts into like how the invitations were, ma- were given and were made and like the outfits the people wore and like the entertainment that was there and like the little transfers that they had to do to get to the island and all that stuff. I loved all of that. Yeah. Like I ate it up so, so much. Like I loved that part of the book. Uh, I wanted to know how you felt. That was also, it's so weird. We have so different and all yeah, about yeah. it. That's that was the reason why I stopped that's really? the reason why I stopped reading. Like, there was a part in that whole segment that made me stop. Like, it wasn't... it. I wasn't digesting it anymore. So I had to park it. Like, I don't even know why. When it was fun. But, yeah. like, there were parts that I didn't like. Like, when he, she opened up to George. Like, I think which, that was the part Now I stopped na. Which part there was, was a this? Part like, there about her, her, uh, her dad? Was this about her dad? No, no, it was. E- I think it was even after that person had a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a part na she cried. Like yeah. the first time she kissed George, there was a yeah. part na she cried. That yeah. that entire yeah. scene apparently, like, eh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, this, it's kind of weird because, like, the f- the moment she sees him, she's like, I hate this guy. Like he's he's so weird, you know. Like he he she gives off that vibe. Like the narrator makes it seem like. She really hates George. 
And then it was you, like an elementary student falling in love. Yeah, like, but you know how yeah, you hate exactly. your classmate. Could you? Is, does that really happen? Like you, you, you abhor a person, but deep down inside, you really like them, and you just don't realize it. Like, are are there people who are who lack no. that level of self awareness? Like they don't know how they really feel about someone. I can't relate. I even yeah. hate enemies to lovers trope. Like that's my worst trope ever. Yeah. Like I um, cannot. I cannot deal. I agree with you. If I hate a person, I hate a person. Same with um, the love triangle trope, which is in this book, which is a heavy theme in this book. I hate love triangles. I feel like it's such a lazy way to create (laughs) conflict in in romantic stories. I hate it. I really hate it. It's, I mean, it's the reason why I hated It Ends With Us too. (laughs) Yeah. The the thing here, um, you know, I can't help but compare. I don't know. Mm. I think it's, but like, um, in Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. um, the lead guy, the way the lead guy is written, you wanna be the girlfriend of the lead guy. Yeah, because he's like, such a cool guy. Yeah. yeah, but then here, I didn't wanna be anyone's girlfriend here. Like I, I wasn't it. falling in love with anyone's character. Like George yeah. can go. And even the main character herself, like she has very few redeeming qualities. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, she's not that interesting. She makes a bunch of wrong decisions a lot, and and yeah, it feels like she's such a like, trophy protagonist. Yeah, she is really irrational. Um, there's she. I feel like she's really superficial. It was so hard to get on her side. Um, again, um, I feel like that's where. And when this... they broke up, when they broke up with his fiance, with that her was fiance, such a weird breakup scene. Yeah, like the fiance wasn't even like feeling bad about it. He was just yeah, like feeling like, bad about it two seconds. Oh man, all right. Here, here's your Aston Martin. That's our breakup gift. Like that's yours now. Like, oh my god. Are people really that? <laughs> I just want to point out also that like, but however, I have to admit that that Cecil character, like, um, he was kind of funny. I liked him. He was kind of yeah. funny. <laughs> funny in a way that like this guy is this guy is really douchey, but like funny kind of yeah <laughs> you know how george is created as this this mysterious super s- yeah but kind of straight guy yeah like very i don't know but yeah. like this 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 character george yeah the way he's being portrayed this mysterious guy but he does questionable things like he was kissing her or wait were they fucking in the movie house like no, that no, no. one, like that whole she, scene. She like, asked him to, yeah, she she asked, she moaned apparently, fuck, I want you to fuck me or something like that. Well, I don't remember what happened there. But yeah. like, it's it's kind um, of off-brand. It's really off. It's also, for me, uh, um, <laughs> the fact that Lucy even got with Cecil, I don't know, can we just say Cecil? Let's just say it's pronounced Cecil. The fact that she got with Cecil, Cecil in the first place is off-brand. It made me question her. Yeah, it's like, this is not the kind of guy the girl I met on the island would be in a relationship with, right? Like, how did those two um, even end up together? Like, how did she even fall in love with him in the first place? I, I always, like, thought it was because she was, like, showing her family. Maybe, and it was like a rebellious act. That. Yeah, like, she was just really showing them, like, yeah, like, look at me. I can score someone super rich. But then, again, um... Cecil, there's not much depth to his character, but I feel like he was his character was fleshed out well, regardless. Yeah, like his like character really is pretty consistent him out. all throughout. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the and the mother of George, 
The mother of George also. Jo- Rosemary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, si Rosemary yeah. Rosemary's Zatau. Yeah, like that is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. I hated Charlotte also. Like, Charlotte's like a deplorable really? human being. Like, She's a prude. So obsessed with like how people think about her and like status and all of that. Like, you're like the worst yeah. type of person. <laughs> <laughs> like literally um yeah i don't know i, I we're really straying off track now uh do you have any moments that you want to bring up right now yeah 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 go ahead so um one of my favorite lines or moments are not even like deep lines but, but like it made me you know like okay let me just get into it so this was when lucy and cecile were having a house warming party and the series of events were broken down into parts so each part would start with overheard from the pool area. Hmm. There were like titles for each part. I, I kind of like that part. From the yeah. kitchen. I like how that was written. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's written very clever. Yeah. And it also contains my favorite scene when Lucy and George were bickering and then she asks George if he liked the house and he responded with, Lucy, you're the one who has to live here. Do you like the house? Yeah. And it also showed how despite having a fiancé, she was still worried about how George thought despite yeah. of her hating him like she said she really she really still wanted to know what he thought and then she still cared about his opinion so that line also is reflective on us as people especially at this point in time like you know how we somehow still try to seek validation from others when it doesn't even concern them yeah always yeah yeah so i I, i'll agree with you i really like how that entire segment was written because number one it was paced really well like you're brought from one scene to another scene so quickly you, you you don't even though it's done so rapidly you don't feel like you're losing control of where the story is yes, going like you're, you're still there like um yeah you're still there all throughout and you're still fully immersed in what's happening and i like that how that was written um one of the bright spots of the book essentially was that scene and um yeah i get it also i agree i agree with you it gave us an interesting insight into the yeah ideologies of these characters and their philosophies in life and so I don't know if you've noticed, but well, let, let me like connect it na lang ha, since it, yeah. it also happened there. So, um, one of my favorites also in the book is the amount of cameos yes. it had. Haniaya Nagihara was there. Yes, that's why. That's <laughs> yeah. why I was like, oh my god, you're gonna like this cameo. Yeah. So, um, yeah. For our listeners, we recently reviewed the Haniaya Nagihara book. Yeah, A Little Life. If you're done reading, if you're done listening to this podcast, head on over to that. It's quite an interesting conversation that we have. With, we even have a guest on that podcast, so uh, listen to that episode yeah. once you're done with this one. Yeah, and there I are. I literally screamed. There are a bunch of um, cameos, famous people in cameos. this book. Cameos. Yeah. There, um, there, um, Astrid, Astrid was even there. Yeah. Astrid is also a character. But in we're not Crazy so sure if she's if it's the same Astrid, right? It's it's implied. I feel like it's it basically is. implied. So it's in this world, the Crazy Rich Agents is in the same universe as Sex yeah, and Vanity. As sex and Vanity. Yeah. Yeah. It's inter- it's it, it's and, interesting. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but the last one, the last cameo that I really appreciated, and I hope it's what I think it is. Um, it's the Royal Highness Sheila Kiza. Um, uh, during familiar. the end of a book, during the end of the book, um, we've we were told that um Cecile was rescuing this Royal Highness Sheila Kiza yeah, 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 from yeah. her abusive husband. Yeah. And I'm not sure, but this might be Kitty Pong 
from Crazy Rich Asians because it was in the footnote that Kiza is translated as Kitty in ah, English, in the English language. And it sounds just about right how she crossed paths with Cecile because it's finally someone who could match her character, her ridiculousness. Because so I, I don't know, do you do you remember Kitty Pong? Um, that really, somewhat, um, yes. Is this like, the... She's this social climber who gets in the pants of everyone rich. Yeah, I remember. I remember her. I think Kevin Kwan is trying to do like a Stephen King style, like one universe yeah. for all of his books for kind of, of yeah. situation. And I, I like I w- that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the proposal, the, the out of this world mob, flash mob proposal that Cecil did for... Um, Lucy. I just want to ask you your, your personal take. I think we can both agree that it's really cringe. Of course! Yeah, like really cringe. I, um, I would cry if that happened to me, God yeah, forbid. I wanted to ask you, like, what if, let's of say, sadness. you were in Lucy's position. You're surrounded by so many people and you get proposed to in oh. such a manner. What would you do? It happened to me, but oh not proposal. Gosh. It was like, um, it's not even flash mob, but um, this guy want uh, asked me to be his girlfriend, and it was in a, in a, in a place where there were lots of people, and then I would I could see like other people um, bringing banners. Please say yes, mm. and it really destroyed me. Like I said yes because I didn't want to embarrass the guy, but then I went home and I was crying. So you were pressured into it. I was literally crying because. Yeah, because I didn't want to be his girlfriend. And then I told my mom about it. She got mad. And then everyone was like telling me, just, you know, like, uh, make the relationship last for a week. And then, you know. How long did that relationship last? Two weeks. (laughs) Two weeks. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it wasn't even clear. Like, I have never even kissed that guy. So it was really like a relationship that I did not want. Period. Yeah, you were pressured into it. But I I have a question to ask you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, what would be your reaction if, like, in your wedding? Because you're getting married, huh? I am. Yeah. So, like, what if in your, <laughs> in your like during your wedding, ba, you hired kaning mga tech people and then they take drone shots and what yeah. if like in your wedding kena ay kay like what do you call that an area ba na it's like live streaming? Yeah. And then what if you how, how do you how will you manage if the drone? takes a video of you some, know someone like kind of scene eating out someone and then yeah. it's gonna flash in your wedding like how will you control that situation because i found that scene the most embarrassing yeah. ever i would um i don't know if it happened at my wedding i'd probably i'd, I'd be stressed at first but maybe in like it's something you'd stress on during the day but like it would end up being funny later on. It, it, it's I feel like it's that kind of thing. <laughs> um, in the book, I, I don't think it was flashed on the screen though. Like right because they didn't yeah, have wala, a chance wala, wala. to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be so embarrassing. Embarrassing. Secondhand embarrassment is real in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that entire wedding though. Like how the whole week was planned for the guests. Like I loved all those attentions to de- that att- attention to detail. I I guess it's maybe it's also because I'm in the process of planning my own wedding. Maybe that's why I was so. Oh yeah. Maybe, I was so maybe into maybe it. Also. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So the cringe proposal was funny. I also want to bring up. I think this was when they were having tea and then like, uh, Cecil brings uh goes into this whole monologue about how tea tastes better when it's drunk from like a certain type of cup 
Do yeah. you remember that? And do you remember like when I was having coffee with you once and I explained to you how coffee tastes better? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hold on. Oh my God, use your alter ego. This you is literally something it. I've told Mariana in real life. <laughs> like, no, it really tastes better. Yeah. If it's in this cup, you know how much yeah. this cup costs? Yeah, this like cup that. costs so much because it makes the coffee taste better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I just found that scene really oh funny because I was like oh yeah. my gosh this is a parody of this me this happened <laughs> yeah it um, is Jed it is yeah I, don't know, I, just, I just found the irony in that there's another uh, there's another part that's really funny to me that scene where um, when he, they visit the yacht club and then they won't let Cecil in because he's not wearing a collared shirt uh, yeah, and then he has to explain like you know my entire outfit is more expensive than anything that than anyone yeah. has in this place. Like I have a Nautilus that's worth one hundred fifty thousand. That's like that's a Patek Philippe um, on his wrist. So, like you know, he was bragging about this watch, but like they won't let him in because he's wearing this like he doesn't V-neck. have a collar. Yeah. yeah, supposedly like a really fancy designer V neck. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was those scenes that like it's not. You're not supposed to take them seriously, but they're really entertaining to read. And those are my favorite yeah. scenes, unfortunately. Those are my favorite scenes from the book. Um, how about you? What, what other moments can you bring up? That's it now. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you remember that whole scene about C- uh, Cecil as being introduced to Lucy's family for the first time like they have a, this engagement party at the oh yeah 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 grandma at her and, grandma's house yeah. like consuelo i found i found that really weird because like supposedly that's the first time grandma gets to meet cecil right yeah now if you're in if you're in a family like that i would assume like your your grandma who's like the matriarch of the family would meet your boyfriend before the two of you get engaged like i found that whole situation implausible like like I feel like it's also because the grandma's not Chinese maybe because it's way different than Crazy Rich Asians yeah there was a whole introduce to the an Asian thing you know yeah yeah. Um, but it didn't happen here um yeah I guess that's that's literally all I have um most I'm now reading back most of my the fun my favorite moments revolve around Cecil and his funny lines um I remember when uh, yeah when when Lucy is trying to break up with him and then she's 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 giving back the ring and then Cecil was like is it too big Uh, is is three carats small enough for you (laughs) I I laughed it was so funny because I gave my 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 fiance now I gave her a 1.5 carat ring and I was like "That, that, that really hurt my bank account and my savings to give her that ring. And then <laughs> Cecil is like, oh, is, is three carats small enough for you? That's like literally double what I bought my fiance. So I was like, I was, really, I was laughing out loud. So I was, I found, I find him so funny as a character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even though he's supposedly like the villain of the story, if there is to be a villain, <laughs> he's really funny. I think, yeah, without him, I would have not enjoyed. This is why, um, about you enjoyed the first part more. Yeah. I enjoyed the second part more because Cecile was in it. I guess, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. and I br- I breezed through the book when I reached the second part because of that yeah. character. Because yeah. I n- never really latched on anyone during the first part. Mm. But I mean, in fairness, the book in total, like maybe we can get into our final thoughts 
if you're done? I'm I'm done, but like yeah. I don't have any final thoughts. Yeah, okay. Maybe like, I'll just like jump in with you. Yeah, but I think like the general thing about this book is like it's so easy to read. Like you were right when you told me that like it's something you can read even though like there's something playing in the background or like if you're in a loud area yeah. like it's it's not something that like you really have to analyze and pour over or like it's not something that you'll have difficulty understanding if you're if, if you're someone who wants that kind of book like if you're if you want to get out of a reading slump maybe this can be a good book cuz what, what what do you think the reading slump oh <laughs> uh, okay it put you into a reading slump but um I guess for me it was kind of a refresher coming from a little life. Yeah. Um 800 something pages of a little life and then jumping into this book that's like really light breeze through it really yeah. quickly. Uh it's there, there are no there's no depth that you need to comprehend as much. It's it's entertaining to a certain extent. Just don't try to think about it too much. If you do you'll end yeah. up hating it. Um like, it, that's true that's true. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those books that like you read not to be critical of you just read it for the sake of reading something and i feel like it's okay yes. for that purpose and yeah. i don't know i don't i don't really have anything much else to say about sex and vanity other than i was disappointed however given how much i love the crazy rich agents um i'm still looking forward to whatever he's going to come up with next um i am still going to be interested in reading his works in the future uh, hopefully he comes up. He puts more detail into the story and character development in the future. But uh, yes. for now, this book is an L from me. So, yeah. Unless you have anything else what to say. What is L? A, a loss. A lose. Loss. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you gotta okay, get oh familiar with the uh, Gen Z lingo, Mariana. We need that audience also. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gen Z though. <laughs> oh yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, no, I'm posing no, as well. No. <laughs> We're supposed to be zillennials. Right, right, Because, right. like, no one's taking us. Like, millennials cannot take us. And Gen Z, we're too old for Gen Z also. Right. But then we're so also the, too young for tweeners. millennials. So it's like zillennials. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I don't want to be in any. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, this, sorry. I feel like this was a really underwhelming review of uh, the book. But it, the truth is it's a really underwhelming book. Um, unfortunately, yeah. there's not much to say about it other than it exists <laughs> and it's entertaining in some parts. Um, you can take it to the beach. Yeah, I mean, it, it won't, it's not a total waste of time. But if you're if you if you're the kind of person who doesn't read much and you want to make the most out of like the time that you spend reading books and skip this, go for something that's more meaningful. That's that would give you better fulfillment. You won't get that from this book. So. Yeah. Uy, I recommended this by to one fiction friend. You like, did? She was looking for yeah, because she was looking for something light. Okay, because I mean, like, she if, just again, read something really yeah. like. So yeah. I was like, you know what? If you want something really light, but don't expect much. Yeah, I recommended Sex and Vanity. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's really something that's light, something you want to breeze through. But if you're the type of person like limited yeah. you don't read that many books and you want every single book that you read to be like a hitter to matter yeah then just skip this one it, it's not going to matter yeah. i'm probably gonna forget about it in a year or two <laughs> and yeah it's like, so yeah it's like what i have the same feeling towards thursday murder club that's still my Pinaka yeah i have to agree um thursday murder club is right now like i don't remember much of it however i do remember enjoying yeah. it I think I liked it more Hola. because it didn't try to be deep. 
you know, like Thursday Murder Club didn't ah, yeah, try yeah. to be deep. Like all throughout, it was it was consistently just, like shallow yeah. uh, murder mystery fun. Like it 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 didn't try to be anything else yeah, more than that. Yeah, that's true. I feel like if Sex and Vanity took that route, like if it didn't try to be deep, it was if it was just like fun for the sake of being fun, then it would have been better. But unfortunately, it wasn't. So yeah. yeah, I guess that's it. That does it for our review of Sex and Vanity. Um, come back next week. Thank you guys yeah, for listening. You. to We're this. gonna come out with a five-minute review of a short, a short five-minute review of a book this weekend. So hope you fully listen yeah, to that. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, and um, again, if you have any questions, clarifications, comments, suggestions, or if you just want to talk to us about any certain book. Or uh, whatever you can contact us on our Instagram pages. It's Fiction Friends PH on Instagram. We also have individual Instagrams. I'm at Jet Luga and Mariana is at Mariana G. Mariana G. Varela. Yeah. yeah. We also do book talk. We also do book content on TikTok. I'm at Jet Luga 10 on TikTok. And I think Mariana's still the same. It's still at Mariana G. Varela. We'll link all of these down in the description of this podcast. We also recently worked. Yes. Uh, on launching our YouTube channels this this recently, so mine's going to be BookTube. So if yeah. you wanna, you know, yeah, mine is more about our productivity and stuff. So like you know, we're just trying to delve into content creation a little more. Um, yeah, but don't worry, we're still coming out with more podcasts in the future. Stay tuned for more yes. episodes. Thank you for joining us, and that about just Thank does it. Thank you for listening. Yeah, and we hope to see you guys around again soon. Bye. Bye.